Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets. I am so happy to be joined today by my dear, dear friend, my longtime co-host, your dear friend in that wonderful parasocial <laughs> way, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hi, Awesome. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be here with yeah. you. You look so pretty and pink today. Oh, yeah. It's the last day of summer sort of weather here yeah. in the Midwest. On the day that we're recording it, it's still really, really warm. And then much cooler, more fall-like weather is coming in. So yeah. that bodes well for everybody in the southern half of the U.S. who is like, oh my word, this summer will never end. It's been so hot. So I'm enjoying like one more day of really summery looking and feeling clothes before yeah. we make the switch. It always feels like up here in the north. I would actually love to hear from our Canadian awesomes. Yeah. Like September hits and it's not like it's never going to be warm again. But like there's a definite shift mm. in the air. Maybe we just notice it, but you're like, all of a sudden it starts to get those cool nights and you know, you're like, I might need a sweatshirt and it'll be warm enough to get rid of it in the afternoon, but it's coming. If it's coming for us sooner rather than later, it's got to be coming for those of you who are like, please, I'm already please drinking my pumpkin spice latte that I'm happy <laughs> to have iced. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. We're still a good month away from those chili, but that's okay. It's okay. We here in the U.S. just celebrated Labor Day, and that means in our family, we're coming to the conclusion of the birthday run that yes. starts in June in my family with my daughter AJ's birthday, which is this week. She's turning 16. I know sometimes I feel like I almost want to give a disclaimer to the people. AJ is not on my social media very much. She's not as much in the conversations. She is very much a loved and treasured child. She's just very, very, very yeah. private. Like her dad is very private, but even more so, just very private. And so I respect that. I honor that. But at the yeah. same time, it is her birthday and she's turning 16 this week. So we've got birthday stuff and just teenage stuff on the mind here. So I was like, Kelly, we kind of have tossed around this idea in the past, like letters to ourselves and prior mm -hmm. phases, seasons of life. So I threw at you like, what if we did like a dear me at 16 kind of conversation? Yes. And so you were up for it. I'm so excited. Oh, so up for it. Yeah. You know what? You just reminded me, and I haven't done any research on this as far as where this cultural phenomenon comes from, but the idea of the 16th birthday, especially for girls, mm -hmm. it was that sweet 16 idea. Yes. yes. You know, so I don't know, like a quinceanera, like that it has more cultural significance. I don't yeah. know what the sweet 16 in like a European white American culture comes from. I feel like a lot of times when I was growing up, like 16 is when you could start to date. Oh, that was okay. kind of what it was about. Mm -hmm. 
But I think back to when it was really a thing, like I feel like it was like a 50s, 60s thing. People got married like at 18. You know what I mean? Like they got married out of high school. So I don't know, but it is like a big birthday. It feels like it's momentous. It's like a milestone. And my 16th birthday was my star birthday because I was born on June 16th. And so I threw myself a star themed 16th birthday in my parents' house. It was not fancy. It was not like, remember MTV used to have that, I think it was called My Sweet 16 or something that reality yes. show and people like huge over the top. That was not what I had. <laughs> it yes. was very yeah. homemade and DIY that I had yeah, all too. of my friends and their friends. And it was a big party at my parents' house when I turned 16 because I made it a big deal. Yes, I did too. So when I turned 16, I was super into like the 1950s, 60s. So I threw okay. like a 1950s themed oh, birthday party. And we had guys and girls, which was a big deal. Yeah. I'm the oldest, very conservative family. Like these were all friends from church, so that mm-hmm. helps. But like it was a mixed gender party. We made different like flavored Cokes. I think that we watched West Side Story. Oh, so it's like, how cute. But yes. yeah, I really wanted people to dress like we didn't have the money or the opportunity to like all have poodle skirts. But like that right. was kind of I wanted to make it like this old school sort of 1950s yes. sweet oh, 16 Kelly, party. So I love it. that's the only party I remember, though, of my teen years. And it was mm-hmm. for sure I didn't have a party most years. But like, again, for my 16th, I was like, this is a big deal. I'm doing something. And it wasn't fancy, like you said. I think we had to rent a VCR from the Mm. library still because we didn't own one. (laughs) You could rent one in a big suitcase back then and like pop up this big window that you would put the big cassette. So it was very, like you said, DIY. But still, I remember it. So here we are. We're going to talk about stuff like this, right? We are. So we're going to do a little trip down memory lane and talk about who we were as people when we were 16. And we are absolutely inviting you, Awesome, as you are listening to do the same. Think back to when you were 16. What was your life like? What were you into? And then we are going to talk about like, what would we tell ourselves? Here we are all these years later. What would we tell ourselves? Who knows if we would have listened or not, but what would we say to our 16-year-old selves? So we have all of that coming up today on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesome, to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. If you are looking for a community of women who are going to support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, whether you're 16 or 96 or anywhere in between, we are here to support you. And one of the huge ways that we do that is actually not just through the podcast, although we do love to support you through the podcast every Friday here at Sort of Awesome, but also in our social media communities. Come over to Instagram. If you're looking for more awesome in your Instagram feed, come find us at Sorta Awesome Show over there or come over, or I should say, and, and, or do all of the things. Come and find us on Facebook in the Sorta Awesome Hangout. We would love to have you join us there. Thousands of women who show up daily to support and cheer each other on and answer questions and give recommendations. So much good stuff. Kelly, one thing I've been doing in the So Awesome Sunday newsletter, which by the way, go sign up for that if you want to. It's a every other week newsletter that I write for the awesomes. And one thing I've been doing is highlighting what's happened in our community because number one, that community moves so quickly, it's so easy to miss things. Yeah. But number two, there's so much good stuff. Like some things, even if you read it, you might want to go back and revisit. So every Sunday when I'm writing that, you know, it's like I said, every other week, I'm going through and like looking through these threads and I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this free? 
<laughs> like yes. there's so much good stuff in here that I would pay for. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. To find a place that's like wholesome. You know what I yes. mean? We're actually really trying to live into the sort of awesome ethic that you've always laid out here, which is this very supportive. We're not here to rant and rave. This isn't right. like a great place to bring your grievances. Right. These are all the things that are going wrong in my life, or I can't believe this person did that. No, we really want it to be like an encouraging space, a safe space, a place where it's yeah. genuine. And I think people genuine. sense that. You're right. That's why when people get in there, they're like, what? This is yes. just here for the mm -hmm. taking. <laughs> and you know, that's not to say that we don't allow people to bring in like the hard stuff, because I do right. think that is one of the key things is it is a safe place where people can bring questions, ask for feedback on situations that they may not feel comfortable with an in-person community talking about. And so we always encourage people and have kind of created this culture rather than it being like a place to go and just rant about something that's pissing you off. It's more like, yeah. hey, I have this thing. It is agitating me or I am deeply concerned about this and just kind of ask for feedback and people will just jump in the comments with constructive ideas, validating that, yeah, this seems off or whatever the thing is, but also with actual practical directions that you might want to take. So yeah, that's remarkable. my favorite thing. Yeah. It's not that we don't address the hard things in life. Yeah. It's that it's just not a place to be complainy or whiny right, because yeah. that's what the rest of a lot of social media is. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's just kind of that negativity of people. It's not that, but of course, real life is often really hard. So yeah. we help each other with that. Yeah. Really, truly, if you've been listening to this podcast and you're not in the sort of awesome hangout, I love that you recap those threads, Meg, because I am in there a lot because that's all I have on my Facebook feed, right? It's only yeah. sort of awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't have any, like many longtime listeners know that I have like shut down. I don't have anybody on my feed anymore personal. Like right. I unfollowed everybody. So the, the only queen thing, of Facebook right here. <laughs> yeah. And it took a long time and it was like in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I had some mm -hmm. sort of premonition, but doing that freed up my feed. So now it's just sort of awesome. So I see a lot of stuff and I still miss things mm -hmm. that happen in sort of awesome hangouts. So you always highlight the good threads. Yes, definitely come and join us there. It's one of the best things about the podcast. Yeah, it really is. Okay. Well, speaking of the podcast, Kelly, before we do our deep dive into nostalgia and thinking about who we were at 16 and what we would like to tell our 16 year old selves, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever it is that's making life a little bit more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, music, movie, podcast, product, recipes, whatever's bringing that gold sparkle to our days. Kelly, my friend, what do you have for us this week? So I have something that is truly revolutionary to me. At this time of year, I have just learned that you can take some, not all, produce from the farmer's market when we're here in this rich time of everything is being grown, everything is there. If you have a garden, if you go to a farmer's market, a lot of that can just be put straight in the freezer. Oh, like, like you don't no have to process it. Yes. <gasps> what? So somebody told me this last fall. I wanted jalapenos. I think it was like near the end of the season. And they were like, just take the whole, like I often need like four, you know, I don't need 30 in the basket. Yeah. And they were like, just take them and then just throw them in the freezer. And I was like, what? Say and they're like, literally, just put them in a Ziploc bag, what? put them in the freezer. You don't have to like 
prep it and can it and no <laughs> maybe wash it and dry it okay but like I didn't even go to that step I'm gonna be honest and just say I didn't even and then all winter long when I needed a jalapeno I just took one out and you know like because they're small in particular I just chopped it up put it in the chili in the soup in the eggs whatever I was using it for boom what okay so I can personally attest that I have tried this with jalapenos the reason this just came up is I was so thankful for it because you do have a lot of produce coming in all at the same time. And even people who are really big canners, which the only thing I've ever made is jelly. Like I have not canned anything for mm -hmm. real. Yeah. It's so much work all at once. They're like, I'm picking half a bushel of tomatoes a day. Oh my gosh. Even tomatoes, you guys, people are like, you can stick that straight in the freezer. A whole tomato? A whole tomato. So now, of course, it's not going to be like sandwich worthy. These are going to be tomatoes that you're going to be putting in soup right. or in stews, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But they're like, if you put a whole tomato in, a big, juicy, like beefsteak tomato, mm -hmm. it's going to have all that liquid in there. So that for sure, you know, soup. They said aroma tomato, things that are smaller, they're going to hold their shape a little bit better. So just so you know, as you're thinking about it, but you don't have to peel them. You don't have to process them. Oh they gosh. take up more space, of course, yeah. than yeah, like yeah. if you cook the tomatoes mm -hmm. down, if you're doing for that. Sure. But you could just be like, I'm done. I can't deal with another processing another tomato or I've eaten all the tomatoes and I'm done. Put them in a Ziploc bag. And people have said you can either take the skin off as it's cooking in the soup. So they're like, if you put a whole tomato in a soup or a stew, as it's cooking and breaking down, the skin will separate, you know, like it'll cook down. So mm -hmm. you can just then go through and be like, I'm just going to pull the skin out. Mm -hmm. Or they said you put it in hot water right after it comes out of the freezer and the skin comes right off. Wow. Okay. This is news you can use right here. <laughs> exactly. The other thing that I really, really love to buy at the farmer's market at this time of year, poblano chilies. Oh, yeah. I have several soups. So last year, this is the other thing that I started to think about. I did cut these up because they're so much bigger and I don't usually need a whole mm -hmm. poblano to put in whatever I'm putting. So I did dice, I don't know, 20 poblano chilies one day and then put them all cut up in the freezer. But again, I did not skin them. I did not process them at all. And then when I'm ready, I can just break off a chunk, yes. throw it in the soup and it's ready. And so then, I don't know, some of those things, I mean, a lot of produce, it goes bad, right? So even oh, if I'm buying yes. jalapenos from Aldi in the winter, yeah. it's like sometimes they're bad. So this just like, it's always there. It's like having a can of crushed tomatoes in your mm. pantry. You know, it's always there. Yeah, It's just like, okay, it's there. It's ready for me. I don't have to think about that. That's what this is like. And it gives you a way to use it. So the other things, you'd have to Google and see what other things there are. I know corn, you can cut right off the cob. You don't have to cook it. You can freeze it to put in soup. So I know some things like zucchini doesn't freeze great. Don't mm. try to freeze zucchini. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a lot of this, Kelly. Well, you can yeah. come find me. I'll help you do the research, but you'd have to look at it. What I can attest to though are jalapeno, poblano, and then now I have been told tomatoes. So just say it. If you've got a abundance or you're seeing at the farmer's market, lots of time this time of year, they're like, this whole basket is $5. Please take it away. Maybe it's something you want to consider. And then we can yeah. keep that summer goodness all year. That's the other thing that makes me happy is when I take my little jalapeno out of the yes. freezer in January, I'm like, hello, my friend. Yes. We last saw each other in August. <laughs> <laughs> I do talk to my food. Of course. Of course of you course do. I do. And that is part of the secret of being an amazing cook like you are. <laughs> Talk to you. He's liking all these things. Yeah. It feels yeah. like an awesome for even more than a week, but it made me so yes. happy to know that you can do all of this absolutely with so little work and still reap the benefit of having all this good 
yummy produce all year round. I'm totally into it. Thank you. You literally yeah. just changed my life in a small okay, but important way. So thank you for that. My awesome of the week this week is a docu-series that just reached its series conclusion on HBO Max, or I guess we're supposed to call it Max now. Okay. It's called How To with John Wilson. Do you know this show? I, I feel like I've this is so up your alley. I almost was okay. like, did Kelly tell me about this when it first came on? Because this is so you, it's so me. Let me tell you all about okay. How To with John Wilson. Okay. So again, it is on Max. The series finale just came out last week, which is what I think put it on my radar. We do have a lot of streaming services, Kelly, but HBO hasn't been one that I've just kept on. It's one of those I kind of bounce Mm -hmm. back and forth with. So somehow I missed this. This actually came out in 2020, has three seasons, just wrapped up. And How To With John Wilson is truly a storytelling docuseries. I love storytelling in any vehicle that I can get it. I keep raving to everyone in my life about how good PJ Vote's new podcast search engine is. Yep, it's on my list. Yes, it's sort of a spiritual successor to Reply All, which you know was ostensibly about stories from the internet, but it was really about stories about people. And that's what Search Engine is doing as well. I mean, I think about like Anthony Bourdain's work, his series that he did, even Somebody Feed Phil, which is again ostensibly about food, but it's really about the people who in the culture of the food. I love storytelling. I happen to prefer nonfiction storytelling, real human story, storytelling. It is catnip for me. So here is the conceit. Here is the idea with how to with John Wilson. John Wilson is a documentary maker living in New York City. And he has these episodes that are like how to this. And it's not instructional at all, though. (laughs) So Like the very first episode is how to make small talk. And it starts out with how he's like this very socially awkward person and small talk's really hard. And he is both instructing himself and instructing the viewer, I guess, in how to not be awkward with small talk, even though he's showing how awkward he is with small talk (laughs) the whole time. But then the storytelling takes a turn. He finds himself accidentally crashing MTV Spring Break in Cancun. He genuinely did look. Through a travel agent, booked a trip to Cancun. He gets there. His resort is hosting MTV Spring Break, which I did not even know they still did in this present era. (laughs) And it turns into like this thing of meeting somebody and then going beyond small talk and what is revealed when you go beyond small talk. It's like so good. I was in tears by the end. One of the things that he does, I think just from a narrative standpoint is so interesting. He always starts every episode with, hello, New York. And it's this idea of he's just making like a little something for his neighbors, literally in his neighborhood. Like, you don't know how to do something here. I'll teach you how to do it. And he might start in New York, but it definitely Mm -hmm. is very universal and very global. Also, I always think about language so much as a words lover. He keeps the tense either in first person, like I, and he's like telling stories, but he also uses you a lot. So it has this incredibly conversational feel. And even though he's a documentarian, the videography that you're watching as he's narrating it is so choppy and just feels like a kid took their camcorder out on the street kind of thing. But also, I need to say this, that you might be tempted to just kind of let this be a background show. And it could be like a background show while you're doing other things. However, if you actually sit and watch this the way I did, 
and I'm only in the first season right now. Like I said, okay. I just now found out that it was on and it's over. So I'm still in the first season. The shots that he pairs with the writing, with his narration are freaking hilarious and so unexpected and so captivating. And I would encourage you to actually watch and not just zone out and have this on while you're folding laundry or whatever, which you could do. But truly, what he pairs visually with what he's saying is just mm, top notch, incredible. I love this show so much. I cannot believe that I'm just now discovering it. And it's kind of hard to describe it because it kind of seems like it's stories about New York, but then it's really global. And it seems like it might be about like how to learn how to do something, but it's actually about how are we doing this? How are we co-humaning this planet together? So again, it's called How To with John Wilson. It is on Max. There are some scenes and things. It's definitely made for adults is right. what I'm saying. Don't watch it with your kids, but it's just really good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm so excited to be the person to tell you about this because I think that yeah. if you watch this, you'll be like, oh, I get it. This well, is and I've me. never even heard of it. So especially for this to have been the third season. So you, when you say it's done, you're saying the third season's done, not necessarily the whole show. Oh, no, done. it's done. He brought it to an end. There oh, he's done. Seasons. Okay, so yes. there's three One, seasons. Three. Like Ted Lasso, we're over now. Okay, we're so done. you've got to go into it knowing that everything that you could watch is out there, which some yes. people like because they like to binge, yeah. you know, like feel like they get the whole arc. Okay, yeah. very cool. Thank yes. you so much. I feel like, you know, when you go into fall, all the Academy Award movies normally would start to, you know, hit theaters. And so it's like you shift from this like very bubblegum stuff that doesn't have to enter your brain much. You could just kind of float on the surface of. And then we're like, okay, I'll do something a little meatier. I feel like this is a good transition, yes. you know, where it doesn't feel like you're picking up War and Peace, but right. it's something that's going to touch you. So it's yes. not just a sitcom. Exactly. And every single episode is self-contained. So this totally could be something yeah. you start now and maybe it takes you like a year to watch it, but you just watch it when you actually have some time to sit down and just kind of be in an experience. So yeah, that's so cool. good. So good. And it's only three years old. I feel like for so many of the things for me, I'm like <laughs> usually a decade behind. So I feel like as I'm getting closer to empty nesting, like I'm getting back Ooh. into, I'm only three years behind pop culture now. It's pretty good. <laughs> Okay, those are awesomes of the week for us this week. We would love to hear what's awesome in your life. So come and find us on social media. You, again, can find us at Sword Awesome Show on Instagram or come over to Facebook and the Sword Awesome Hangout. We'd love to have you join us there. Every Friday, we talk about what's awesome in your life. So Kelly and I are going to do a little nostalgia deep dive back to when we were 16. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hi, friends. You know, school has started, and that means for lots of us, we are getting back in the busy season. And I am so happy to tell you that you can get ahead of that busyness with Green Chef. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, and that means a wider array of meal plans to choose from. There is something for everyone. One of my favorite things about meals from Green Chef is that you're going to get convenient step-by-step -step recipes, including dinners that can be ready in 25 minutes or less. Absolutely 
absolutely perfect for a busy family on the go. And that's one of the other things I love about Green Chef is that they have a family option, which is perfect if you are feeding a big family like mine. With Green Chef, eating well does not have to be boring. In fact, you can find your inspiration for feeling your best this fall, satisfying your cravings with new recipes that might even feel a little bit adventurous for you. But you know with Green Chef, it's also going to be super nutritious. You can discover exciting new flavors with recipes that feature certified organic fruits and vegetables, sustainably sourced seafood, and unique farm-fresh ingredients like tart cherries, truffle zest, and rainbow carrots. So whether you're cooking for yourself or a big family like mine, you're going to find something delicious and nutritious this fall, like tropical surf and turf with pineapple salsa. Doesn't that sound so good right now? You can get all hooked up with this Green Chef goodness when you go to greenchef.com slash 60awesome and use code 60awesome to get 60% off plus free shipping. Again, go to greenchef.com slash 60awesome. Use code 60awesome to get 60% off plus free shipping and discover for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Okay, we are back. And like I said at the top of the show, this week, Kelly and I are doing a little trip down memory lane and thinking about who we were as people. This is all inspired by my daughter celebrating her 16th birthday. Who were we as people as we were on this planet as 16-year-olds? Kelly, set the stage for us. What year was it when you were 16? And just tell us all about Kelly at 16. What were you into? How did you spend your day? Tell us everything. Tell us everything. Yeah, I had to go back in my brain quite a bit. In some ways, I almost wish like we're five years apart in age. So this is going to give a little bit of perspective, but it would be so fun to have people who, you know, were... 16 in the year 2000 or, you know, whatever yes. into, because my yes. year, I turned 16 at the very beginning of 1988. Okay. So I kind of was like, I'm going to talk a little bit about, well, as I was picturing where was I, I was like, okay, so I was in the middle of my sophomore year of high school. So that helped to ground me. So I was like, oh, so 87, 88. Cause when mm-hmm. you look at things, maybe like you didn't have to do this. I did. I was like, what was popular in those years? I'm Googling. Oh, things. I had to look them up. Okay. I just think of like the 90s, but I was like, no, but specifically when I was 16, what was I into? Yes. But like most of the hit songs of 1988 came after my birthday. So it's kind of like, I'm going to look at both, you know, like what would have been in that era? Just that year. Tell us about that whole year for you. Well, here's the thing is I was like, it's true of all of my childhood, teen, early young adult years is it is impossible to overstate how everything about me was rooted in the white evangelical Christian subculture. Yeah. Like my dad is a pastor. I only know people from my church. Up until my sophomore year of high school, I had only gone to Christian school, except for one brief period. Like while we were moving, I was in a public school for a few months. Even though I can look at 1988 and I look at a picture of myself and I'm like, I'm wearing in many ways what would have been popular, not as popular as I wanted to be like the clothes. Not yes. as trendy because I'm the oldest of a very conservative family. And so they were like, no. Oh, yeah. And also, no, we're not spending that money. Like up until I was probably 14, my mom was making my clothes. And I was like horrified because everybody was wearing guest jeans. Yes, jeans. And my parents oh, my were gosh. like, the absolute chokehold that guest jeans yes. had on, <laughs> on a big segment of my life. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. Like I wanted them so desperately. They were $50 from what I remember. And my parents were like, that is your entire Christmas budget. 
Like if you want one pair of clothes because of a little triangle patch on the, the butt triangle. that you can then put your comb in. The triangle. Yes. The triangle. Like, and I was desperate. I did at one point buy with my own money, not guess, but it was some knockoff pair, but it had the triangle on the butt. Yeah. It was some other label, but I was yes. like close enough, yes. you know, because I so desperately wanted to be in fashion. But what I would have been wearing in those years was acid wash jeans. Oh yeah. Which I mean, they're back, you know, oh, right? So you can even yeah. find those. If you don't know what totally. I'm talking about, go to Target. <laughs> Shoulder pads. Oh yes. You guys, so I actually had forgotten. I think that because everything that's old has become new again, we went to a store recently with my 15-year-old daughter and there was a shirt with shoulder pads in it. And she was like, what? I don't even know what's happening. Like, what is this thing here? And I was like, Taylor, I don't know that I had freestanding shoulder pads that I could put in things that didn't have shoulder pads. They made those. Yeah. But I was like, everything, but maybe even t-shirts, like <laughs> oversized t-shirts, which were oversized everything, like the shirts, right? But yeah. I'm like, everything I owned yeah. has shoulder pads. Everything. Everything. Absolutely, yes. So- Yes, I wore a lot of pastel clothes because oh, it was the very, era. Like we had kind very, very. of moved from the neon of the 84, mm-hmm. 85. And then by the time we were getting to like 87, 88, you're in more of that very. mint green Miami Vice era. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lots of pink, lots of colors of pink. In fact, I remember a shirt that I had. It was like a Oxford sort of shirt with the stripes. I feel like there was a name for that. Mm-hmm. Like there was tons and tons of striped shirts that usually you wore with a sweater vest. Like a V-neck sweater vest over. I'm having a flashback to like an elementary school picture where I think I had that very outfit. Yes. So that would have been like a little earlier than 16 for me. But by the time I was 16, I know I had this one. It was a combo shirt, you know, so the sweater vest was a part of the shirt. It wasn't like something you put on top (laughs) of it. It was very cutting edge. It was very very innovative fashion. But we also, because we popped our collars in the mid 80s and around this time, for sure, we also wore brooches. I feel like this was a pretty in pink like, okay. era handoff. Definitely pretty in pink aesthetic. Yes. Yes. Like I raided my mom's jewelry box. And to oh, this yes. day, I still have many of her brooches I wore yes. at the top of my shirt and then I'd pop the collar around it. And of course, my hair has always been big. So I was born in that sense in the right time period because I had big bangs. And if I curled my hair, it was Texas hair, mm-hmm. even though I didn't live in Texas. That was how I looked on the outside. So I was trying really, really hard to look like a 1987, 88, 16-year-old girl. However, everything else about me was 100% (laughs) Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. So when I even thought like the music of that Mm -hmm. era for me, for sure, like In Excess, which you guys, I thought was inks. (laughs) I called them inks for a long time. In your defense, it looks phonetically like ink. Yes. Okay. And we didn't have like, we maybe had the liners in our tape mm-hmm. to look at the lyrics, but there are to this day lyrics that I'm discovering I have thought wrong all my life because I just had to hear it and guess what they said. Yes. And course. I did that with a lot of my free time. Like I would listen to <laughs> things I taped off of the secular radio because my parents wouldn't have approved of regular rock and roll. Yeah. They barely approved of Amy Grant. So <laughs> I would listen with my headphones and my little tape and I'd be like writing down the words so that I could try to memorize them and look cool. Because again, trying to fit in. But you know, you get a lot of them wrong. Okay. I mean, I just learned that Axel F is the name of that song. I yeah. just wrote do, 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 do in my notebook. Because I was like, there's no words. <laughs> but Meg, I knew what I meant. 
So when I hear that song, do, 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 <laughs> that's what that I wrote. Just, well, you know, again, it was just, they were just very innovative with right. titling that song. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you had, like, I taped things off of the radio. So I'm making my own mixed tape, kind of, but for me. Mm-hmm. So then I would write down the order of the songs. Like, I loved In Excess. So I had their tape later, not in 88, mm-hmm. 87 time period because it took longer for my parents to like we had to wear them out (laughs) my brother and I by the time I was in college we were ordering things from Columbia House you know and doing the Uh 10 tapes for one penny Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. that was when I actually went back and like bought in excess and you too there was some groups that year but really 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 this is where I'm like I was so rooted in that Christian subculture so this was the year that lead me on came out oh, from Amy Grant. my God. I am in a time capsule right now. I am in that moment. Yes. Can I can hear, hear the, the song. I can yes. hear it right now. Lead yes. me on, lead me on. Yes. But there were also like some Point of Grace songs. The actual number one song of, I think, 1988 in Christian music charts was... <laughs> this was such a moment in the Christian subculture. Sorry, you guys, if you did not grow up in this world and you're like, this sounds vaguely cultish, you're not wrong. <laughs> It was a very closed little society was Thank You by Ray Bolts was Thank You for giving to the Lord. I was a life that was changed. And it was all, it was a story song, you guys. Each verse was like, I actually volunteered at a camp and a little boy prayed Jesus in his heart. Then all the people that come to you in heaven and say, thank you oh my for gosh. sacrificing. I forgot. Because it was like a view from heaven. This it was. was low-key mind control. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It really is very, very cultish. But that was the number one song. I totally remember it. I remember cr- every time you had to cry because you're mm-hmm. like, yes, I am going to have all the people thanking me in heaven. <laughs> oh, so, so in that sense, like who was 16-year-old Kelly? A little weird. Very weird. Very weird. Trying to look normal. Yes. Not even aware completely of how weird she was. Again, first year in public school, my very first class, my first period of the day in public school, which my parents, we had been taught to be terrified of public school. Yes. My very first class was biology. Oh, no. AKA evolution indoctrination. Yeah. So like I went into that class with my faith armor on, I was ready to like, you aren't going to get me Satan. Not today. Not in this class. I mean, that was how I went to school. And my second hour was health. So that had sex ed in it. Like, I mean, they were coming for me. And so I was ready to stand up. I was ready to stand up. Two questions. Number one, did you take your Bible to school? (laughs) Absolutely. Not just my Bible. My Bible was in a case. Oh, yeah, of course. It had to be protected. It's the word of God. Yes. And it had little pockets in it. So I had sermon notes in there and notes from friends and stickers and lots and lots of highlighters because all of my Bible had to be highlighted in different colors because I was that. Absolutely. I brought it to school to like be a shield. It was a shield. Yes. It was a shield. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And I will take it to school every day. Second question, were you allowed to date at all when you were 16? Well, once I was 16, theoretically, yes. Again, and this doesn't necessarily, I think it's weird how this Christian subculture blends with this 
1950s Americana. So yeah. you don't even necessarily have to come from that. But my parents being very, very conservative, and I am the oldest, I was not allowed to call boys. Yeah. Like if I had a friend who was a boy, they were like, you may not call him because that looks like you're chasing him. Oh, and that of course, is not of course, of feminine. Course. That's not done. Yes. So I had to call my boy friends and be like, hey, call me. Call and me. I had to hang up. Yes. And then he'd yes, call yes, me and yes, then yes. we could talk. Mm-hmm. So dating, it was always like 16 was when you could date. Yeah. And also I was obsessed with having a boyfriend. Okay. I think <laughs> because of maybe We've been a long time friends now, we would have totally been friends with we Yes, we would have. We would have <laughs> obsessed. Like I think all the Disney movies, you know, oh like gosh. in the sense of like Little Mermaid hadn't even come out yet. You know, not like this new era of Disney, but I'm talking old school, Cinderella, Snow White, those types of stories. Yeah. Coupled with then there was in the 80s, there was, even though I didn't watch all of them then, but there was this huge swell of teen cinema, oh, like yeah. Pretty in Pink, like the Breakfast John Hughes Club. era, for sure. John, yes, the John Hughes. So the point was a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Yeah. You know, like it was always this romance or unrequited love, something like that. That yes. was just such an integral part. So I was, yeah, felt- embedded in culture. Yes. Yeah. Like by 16, I was so desperate for a boyfriend. Like anybody who even looked at me like cross-eyed, I was like, <laughs> maybe, Sure. Ask me. I don't know. Like, am I attracted to you? Probably not. But no one else has asked. Like, it was bad. I have my journals, Meg, and I'm scared to get them out. I thought, should I get them out for this? And I was like, don't I, don't have the I don't have the emotional energy. Do not for that re-traumatize right yourself. You already lived it once. <laughs> and I haven't gotten rid of them. I don't know. I guess because in some weird way, and I think hopefully this is true for all of us, even though I look back at my 16-year-old self and I'm like, girl, we'll get there, right? I mean, that's the second part of the podcast. Yeah. I have a deep tenderness for her. Of course. Yes. We're all just doing the best we can. Yes. And for the clothes that I wore and for who I was and even for all of my misguidedness. Yeah. There's a tenderness and I know I was doing my best. Okay. So you are five years beyond me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is not like a great amount of time, but it's enough. When you are 16? Yes. Five years. Like that's a lot. What does a 16-year-old have in common with a 21-year-old? I'm five years behind you. Yeah, so, I'm saying so. Oh, I would have been, been like when you were 20s. 16. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was 16. I turned 16 smack dab in the middle of 1993. So okay. I was 16 for my entire junior year of high school. So 93, 94 range. What did I wear? So I can remember my junior year high school yearbook picture vividly. It's stamped in my mind. I cannot shake loose of it. I was wearing a rugby shirt. You may remember. Oh, yeah. Rugby shirt. Rugby shirt. It was like olive green and it had like a maroon stripe and like a cream colored smaller stripe horizontal across the chest. Extremely flattering. (laughs) They definitely made those shirts for girls. (laughs) For girls, especially if you are well developed early in your life. So flattering. My hair was not unlike my hair right now, except for some reason in my junior high school, my yearbook picture that year. (laughs) Like I looked at the camera over my shoulder in just the right way that my hair looked like I had some wackadoo asymmetrical cut, like it was cut right here (laughs) and that this side was long over my shoulder. It looked like that. I hated that picture so much. I was like, 
how can this be fixed? I hate it because it looked like I had chopped half of my hair off just on one side. I did not. That was a thing. I mean, so it was in that sense, people would have looked at it and been like, well, maybe she did that. You know, where was the 90s. So yeah, that's what I mean. But I lived in a small town in Oklahoma. And so my fashion choices were very not on the cutting edge. So it was a lot of jeans, a lot of jeans. Oh, yeah. Rugby shirts, just regular T-shirts, like boxy. Yes. You know, not even still oversized. Oversized. Oh, my gosh. It was oversized everything. I listened to music a lot. So when I turned 16, my parents bought me a Camaro. Yeah. Wow. I would have been your friend. It was the one thing. Well, it was later taken from me and traded out for something else. I only got to drive it for one year, basically. It was a one time my parents, especially my dad, living vicariously through me, worked in my favor. He had always wanted a Camaro. So when I turned 16, he bought me a Camaro. It was electric blue. And that thing was so hot. I loved it so much. And it had a great radio and a cassette player in it. And so I listened to music a lot. The small town that I'm from in Oklahoma was almost closer to Dallas. It's not exactly, it's like right between Dallas and Oklahoma City. That because of the way FM radio works, we couldn't get any radio stations from Oklahoma City. All of our radio, except for the very, very, very local stations came from Dallas. So from the local hometown stations, I listened to a lot of 90s country. We're talking Shania Twain, Reba McIntyre, Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks' song, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up, (laughs) such a favorite of mine. I kind of got it when I was 16. As I think back and listen to it now, I'm like, this song is too racy for radio. What was even (laughs) happening in 1993? I mean, you know, but you just kind of don't care. I think once you become a parent, you have a different sensitivity. Like you listen to it and you have a broader (laughs) sense. As a kid, you're just like, whatever. Yes. The other thing we listened to, 94.5, The Edge out of Dallas, which was alternative rock. And that is what we listened to a lot. So I'm talking Radiohead's Creep. I'm talking Nirvana, Beck's song Loser, The Smashing Pumpkins, Gin Blossoms. All of that is very much the soundtrack. It's the soundtrack of my junior year. And also, speaking of soundtracks, I had and listened to on repeat the cassette tapes with the soundtrack to The Little Mermaid and Beauty and okay, the Beast. Yeah. And my friends would listen to these too. We'd yeah, get in the car and like legit pop culture. Like it was a kid's movie, but it was a phenomenon. And the music was so good. I mean, it's still so good, so good. that it was like it was just listened to. Yeah, we would just be driving around town listening to Disney soundtracks. And yeah. that's the kind of people I hung out with. <laughs> it was also a very churchy vibe. Although my parents did let me start dating when I was a freshman, because I was dating a boy in my high school youth group, and my parents had known his parents for many years, and so they yeah. let us start dating. I was still dating him when I was a junior. We would. End and what up did dating up. mean? That you would go on one-on-one dates oh, because yeah. sometimes dating is like that has different definitions oh. for different people. It was a lot of alone dating. Dating. Okay. A lot of alone time. We dot, were dot, very dot. trusted. Yes, we were very trusted. A lot of experimentation happened because we were so trusted. One thing we did a lot was go to the movies. We called it going to the show. And so movies like Jurassic Park, Groundhog Day, The Sandlot, Adam's Family Values, The Firm, like all of those movies are just like such a moment in time for me. I didn't really watch a lot of TV back then. I think I was just 
too busy already. You know, when mm. you're a junior and you've got your driver's license and you're involved in stuff like I watched a, a lot more TV when I was a kid. But when I turned 16 and got my license and started driving, that was like a big shift in terms of how much time I spent at home and just watching TV and stuff. I do know what the Seinfeld was on by 93. Yeah. And I do remember starting to watch that in the early seasons, not really getting it, but I've always been obsessed with all things New York City. And I loved Seinfeld so much. But social life, everything was so about boys when I was a teenager. I did start dating my first boyfriend. In retrospect, he was a great first boyfriend. So great. But even still, like in my friend group, it was just, you know, all the talk all the time about boys and girls and who likes who and, and those kinds of things. When I was a junior, was my first year also of being in show choir. So that was a huge part of my life, being in show choir, being in choir, doing musicals. I was a theater kid. And then church youth group. I know Laura and I have talked about this on the show a number of times, and she's talked about it in her books and stuff. Like the youth group at our church was the social connection for a lot of people. Even people who are only lightly Christian or Christian adjacent would come to our church's youth group to do things because there was always all kinds of fun programming going on in the yeah. name of Jesus, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, I was such a youth group kid. I wouldn't say that our youth group pulled in a lot of people who are not from our church, but it was everything. And there was always like there were at least one activity a week, if not two, outside of gatherings that we just organized on our own or, a, you know, a small group leader would organize for us. So I was not involved in anything at school, like sports, drama, mm, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did only things with the youth group. And it was a lot. Like it's way more than they do today, because I think kids are more busy today. They have so many more options. So sometimes I with my friends or even I was a youth group leader to kids who are your age. Mm -hmm. So I was just a little bit older. So I remember this era, the see you at the pole. Oh, era, yeah. you know, it was really anchoring in a good way, mm -hmm. you know, to have these friendships and yes. important. So, you know, like it's harder, I think, to find sometimes your people if you're like, well, I'm not a sports person or I don't really like yes. drama or whatever. This was like a backup way absolutely, to find your people, so to find a club. And so that was super important to me. It was very much built in community. And that's not to say that it was like, this perfect example, like there was right. clicks and popularity and all kinds of for things sure. within the youth group for sure. But because it was a Christian youth group, there was at least this sort of idea that we should be nice to everyone, that Jesus yeah. would want us to be nice to everyone and to right. include people. And so even kids that would have been more on the edges socially could come to youth group stuff and like you said, kind of find a place. So. Yeah, that's really true. I'm trying to think about anything else. Having a car, being involved in music and theater, having a boyfriend, those were the tent poles of 16-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't drive. I didn't get my license until I was 18 and in college. Okay. Which I don't know why. Looking back, because I was pretty independent, like wanting to do things on my own, maybe because I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to have a car I have a job, but it's like very, you know, it's more like spending money. Yeah. So in that sense, my life didn't change. I do think that my friends started to drive. Yeah. So that did, you know, like you start to have some freedom when they can come pick you up and you can yes. go do things with them. And like all the things that they now outlaw from teenagers doing in the car, you know, like how you can get your license today, but then you can only drive, at least in Minnesota, you can only drive one friend. 
mm-hmm. for like six months, you know, like only one friend besides your siblings in the car. We would pile into like an old oh, yeah. station wagon, like literally 16 Absolutely. of us, like yeah. seatbelts. We would like lay on top of people, Absolutely. just like get in and we'll go whatever to the lake or to Pizza oh, yeah. Hut. We ate a lot of Pizza Hut. Yeah. In that sense, it was a type of freedom and carefreeness that in some ways I envy because we weren't being realistic either. Like it wasn't good, but yeah. also there was just this like, ah, it'll be fine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that era. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking like we had open campus for lunch at our high school yeah. and we would absolutely run to the parking lot. Whoever's car was parked the closest, we would just open the doors. Everybody would pile in, peel out of the parking lot because yeah. we're leaving campus, but we only had a short time to do yeah, it. Yeah, you've got like half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And just fly to the closest fast food place. Everybody pile out, eat as fast as they could, pile back in. Yeah, it was definitely not created with safety in mind, but it was a lot of right. fun. It was fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like when I look back, and part of it is just the eras, part of it, I think, is probably that age, too, of being 16. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, hopefully life doesn't look like a burden. Yes. When you're 16, you know, you don't have the full weight of it yet. You should be able to be like, this is fun. Yes. Like getting to be test my grown up wings here. Like, yes, fun. And so that should be the mark, I feel like, of 16. I agree. All right. Well, we've kind of given you guys, we've set the stage for you of what we were like when we were 16. And again, I hope that you're thinking about what you're wearing and what you were into and what your social life looked like at 16. But we really wanted to think about what we tell ourselves looking back now from where we sit now when we were 16. Let's talk about that when we come right back. Okay, friends, we've been talking about our past selves, our teenage selves today on Sort of Awesome, but now I have a message for the grown-up awesomes who are listening, because you know we're going to be talking about one of my very favorite sponsors, and that's Foria. Now, I've been talking for months and months about how much I personally love Foria and how the awesomes have discovered how incredible Foria is. Maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you think you don't need any extra help in the bedroom, or on the other hand, maybe you're skeptical about how much Foria products can bring a new level of awesome to your sex life. But trust me when I say it is worth checking out Foria. Foria is using all natural plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. And that is the key to why they have such a fanatical cult following. Foria makes products that absolutely transform your sexual pleasure. And one of their most popular products, and the one that I always point people to, is the Awaken Arousal Oil. Awaken uses CBD and warming, sensation-inducing organic botanicals that enhance arousal. They increase sensitivity and pleasure, your access to orgasm, and it absolutely can help with discomfort that you're having. So yes, awesomes, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it and as often as possible. And you can get started right now with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal just for you awesomes. Get 20% off of your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash awesome or just use code awesome at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash awesome for 20% off of your first order. I do recommend trying the Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil together. You're gonna thank me later. Okay, we are back. And this week we are saying, hey, dear me at 16, here's what I want you to know. And this is kind of tricky, isn't it, Kelly? Because it is to be realistic to think about like, there's definitely things I could say, but my 16 year old self would not have been able to hear it. (laughs) Like, no. So what would we say that realistically, maybe that 
we would want our 16-year-old selves to know. Again, we've described who we were and what we were about at that age. But Kelly, I'm so curious, what would you say to your 16-year-old self? So what are some of the things that come to mind? The very first thing I thought of, because when I look back, and we've kind of touched on this, the obsession, the singular focus on a boyfriend. Yes. Even though I had a wonderful, diverse friend group. I mean, diverse in some ways. So we're still within the Christian subculture bubble, okay? But we're like, lot. they were, you know, boys and girls, people mm-hmm. of different ages, people like different things. And I had great friends. And I knew I had great friends. Like it wasn't that I took them for granted. But what I would say to myself is, girl, your friendships are more important than the one. Okay, listen, spoiler alert, everybody, that was never one on my list too. Okay. <laughs> the rest of my list. But at the very top of my list, I was like, these boy relationships, and they are important. I will validate they were important. They will not last. They will not stand the test of time the way that some of these other friendships will decades later. Yes. And I feel like there has been in our culture, in American culture, and much of Western culture, in my opinion, there is this overweightedness on finding your life partner, on finding your spouse. And the movies are about it. And it's about this relationship. And not to say that it's not important. It is important, you know, especially if you end up having kids. Like there's a lot that goes into that relationship. You want to find the right person. You want to make it stable. Well, and then friends are just like, whatever. Yeah. You know, like maybe you have them, maybe you don't, maybe you leave them, maybe you outgrow them. But the importance of those friends, like because they do stay with you mm-hmm. and just knowing like, even if you're not going to stay friends with your high school, 16 year old friends your whole life in the same way that you were then, what those friendships do as you're developing is so important. So yes. those friendships, enjoy those friendships, cultivate that more than trying to find somebody to be with and be like, now I have a boyfriend or now I have a girlfriend and at least that's settled. Because it's not settled, of course, because you're 16. And yeah. also, it's just not as important as I thought it was. So that's what I would say to myself. Do you think, I know like our culture then and now really is so geared towards finding that romantic partner. But do you think that we experienced it in a more concentrated way because of evangelical culture during this time frame? Like, I look at my daughters who are teenagers and there's definitely a lot of dating. There's still a lot of relationship drama and whatever, but I don't hear my girls or their friends thinking like, oh, I'm going to marry this person. Like my first boyfriend, I was convinced we were going to get married. I would talk about that with people and nobody even really gave it a second thought. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that was just because of the time era or if it was that sliver of culture that we were a part of? I think it's both because I tend to think when I look back at the 80s, so much of the pop media too, not Christian media, just regular cultural media. It was, like I said, those John Hughes movies, there was so much about this boyfriend, girlfriend thing. And again, it's not that it's not important, but it definitely led many of us just to this, this is what it's about. Yeah. And then yes, for sure, our faith was like, yes, (laughs) that is what it's about. Because that's like all that matters is family. This is the era of focus on the family. And so, you know, there was just a emphasis on that. And also, I mean, it started in the 70s, right? It started in the 60s, 70s. This free love, open sexual culture was very much fought against. So mm-hmm. I think there was always this better to marry than to burn. Mm-hmm. Like that verse in the Bible. 
Meaning, if you're not aware of it, it's better to just get married so that you can have sex instead of wanting to have sex or like possibly having sex outside of marriage. So I think there was a lot in our culture that was, I would rather have you married at 18 than having sex at 18. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're going to have sex outside of marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's more important. So I do think that those two things went together in a way that made it harder for me. And there wasn't that friends weren't unimportant. We did. I mean, I remember youth group series about the importance of friendships. But there was no way for that little cozy fire to like compete with this raging wildfire. That's part of it too, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Of focus. So that's a big one. Yeah. Here's a couple of little things I would say. Okay. Also, when I was 16, I didn't have great skin. I would say, girl, your acne will go away someday. (laughs) It's not going to be there forever. Because I was like, this is my life curse. This is my cross to bear. All of my friends had really beautiful, clear skin, very effortless. Mine was not that way every day. Like it was just this constant battle. I washed my face a lot. We didn't have money for a dermatologist. So it was just like whatever I could find. It was the era of Noxema. And what was the breeze? The stringent? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, I would just be like, hey, girl, you know what? It doesn't help you in many ways right now because you're like, yeah, but I still have to go to school tomorrow with this big zit on my forehead. Yes, I'm sorry, but it will go away someday. Your worst fears will not come true. Also, the way that you dress right now, like you mock your parents for their (laughs) wedding photos and you're like, no one will ever mock my boxy t-shirts and ash wash jeans and permed big hair, although my hair wasn't permed, but it was big. Yeah. You will. You will look back someday and be like, with great tenderness, every era, you are not above... (laughs) The air is changing and cultural shifts because I really thought I was. I thought our people like swatch watches were the pinnacle. It just, I did not have any scope for how small, really, you've only been alive 16 years. And when you're 16, you're like, I am so old. And you're like, sweet thing. Like you are in many ways. You have grown so much, but also there's so much still to do. Yes. One thing I would say too, that I did not realize until I was much, much older, I, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, was not an athletic person. Yeah. Well, now I know because I have very bad depth perception. So Mm -hmm. anything that you had to use depth perception for kickball with the youth group, volleyball, you know, for sure baseball, I was always getting hit in the face with the ball because I couldn't tell it was coming toward me as fast as it was. That was like my position was... Baseball catcher. (laughs) And the number of times I got up after like being knocked to the ground by some adult kicking a soccer ball and I would catch it with my nose and I was like embarrassed to death and I would stand up and they were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I can't feel my face. It's all numb. I'm like, my nose could be on the ground, but I was always like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Because I was conditioned as a girl and as a teenager to be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. So this is my point is that I was not athletic at all. And so all of those things, I was like, X, no, not for me, you know, over here. But as an adult, I figured out that you don't have to be a sport person to enjoy being active, to enjoy like moving your body. Right. It was all sports or nothing. I mean, people ran, but even that kind of felt like, well, you're running because you want to run a race or you want to run a marathon. I didn't see a lot of people who were just active. Yes. And so I feel like learning that earlier 
could have broadened my perspectives, Mm -hmm. you know, to try things at a younger age and be like, it doesn't have to be that you have to be coordinated. You don't even have to play on a team. Right. Yes. You know, to go for a walk and enjoy it or to go hiking or whatever, a water sport or things like that. So I would love to have learned that earlier. And I think that it probably would have helped, you know, just the way that moving your body does help you with all the mental health stress and things like that. Mm -hmm. I would have done more. And then my final thing is what I would say to 16 year old Kelly is life is so much bigger than you think it is. Yeah. And that applies to so many things because I did live in this closed little world and it was all I knew. So I thought it was the whole world. It's like living in a room in your house and thinking it's the planet. Mm -hmm. Like I did not know that even other rooms existed. Like if you wanted to say like within Christianity, even if the house is Christianity, I lived in one room and I didn't even know there were other rooms, much less that there is a hole outside, Mm -hmm. (laughs) outside of the house. And so the things that I just didn't know that I didn't know, I don't know, you know, you say, would you have listened? If somebody had said that to me, I would have been too scared because I was taught that this room is the only safe room Mm -hmm. for sure, that even the other rooms in the house were dangerous, much less an outside. So if somebody was like, you don't need to be afraid it's going to be okay. And it would maybe be good for you. I would have been like, Oh no, that's very scary. So I probably wouldn't have trusted it. Even though I look back and I saw that there was a little bit of a spark, mm-hmm. a little bit of a curiosity of the world that even though everybody was like, no, 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 like that needs to stay under wraps and you need to control that. I wasn't afraid of that spark inside of me. Yeah. And so like, good for you, 16 year old Kelly, like you were starting to think on your own. Even if you're reading different Christian writers, I was curious. So why? And why do we do this? And that sort of thing. But it was certainly not something that was encouraged within the context that I was in. I went to a Christian college five minutes from my house that I had kind of grown up on that campus. And I had a great experience there. So I don't feel like it was a bad decision. But I like literally, you guys, never looked at any other college. Mm. Never. Like somebody, they just sent their kid to college and they're going to Westmont, which is a Christian evangelical college in Santa Barbara, California. And I was, by the time I was 16, starting to become obsessed with California for a lot of different reasons. Like if I had known, I don't know that I would have gone there, but like, I didn't even know. Like I didn't think about like, could I leave literally my neighborhood? I was five minutes from home, you know, like I stayed and I had fun, but like, man, it would have been so good. And I probably would have learned quicker that life is bigger than I think. If I had allowed myself to take those first steps to say, okay, I see this thing over there. I wonder what that would be like. And it just wasn't a part of my world. So yeah, that's, that's what I want to say. And hopefully what I'm saying to my kids today too, is just, you don't know what you don't know. Like why not explore? Be curious. It's okay. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I do find myself saying to my kids, as they're in this age range, oh, so much of what I would have said to myself. I don't know how much of it lands for them. That yeah. first one, like I said, on the list, I even put in my notes, the uteruses before deuteruses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I wish I would have learned that so much earlier. And truly, some of the friends, not all of those friendships, but Laura Tremaine being somebody that I met when I was 16 and 
our little friend group, they really have been lifelong friends. I think on the one hand, I would have been like, of course, they're going to be my friends forever. I wouldn't have appreciated how rare it is to have those actual lifelong friendships. And I think that maybe I would have handled those friendships with care if I had known Hmm. and how long they were going to last instead of taking them for granted, which I very much did. I was not a good friend when I was a teenager because I was so boy crazy. Speaking of, one of the other things I would tell myself is you will get your heart broken. My one and only heartbreak happened when I was 16 towards the end or actually the summer after my junior year, between my junior and senior year. Only heartbreak. You will get your heart broken. You will survive. It was the kind of heartbreak where I couldn't eat. I was physically sick with heartache. But in a lot of ways, I could not have heard this when I was 16, for sure. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of good to have your heart broken, I think. It helps you to appreciate the angst, I feel like, of art, of music, of literature, when you know that specific kind of heartbreak. I say that with caution. I do think that sometimes our culture is a little too focused on suffering, and I don't want to encourage that. But if heartbreak should happen, I think that it can find redemption in the most unlikely of places. And so I would have definitely said, not from my first high school boyfriend, who was great, and he didn't break my heart. We were pioneers of the conscious uncoupling. Oh, (laughs) very nice. Okay. (laughs) But even that is impressive, really, Meg. Yes. You know, at that age to be like, we can both see that this has run its course. Yeah. That's really mature. Yes. We'd been dating for two years. We absolutely thought we were going to get married, but he was a year ahead of me. He graduated and was going off to school. And we both were just like, you know what? No, let's don't keep doing this. You're going to school. Let's see what else is out there. It was a wonderful relationship and a wonderful breakup. The boy I dated after that is the boy who broke my heart. And I think it was a good in retrospect. Yeah. So I would have prepared myself that that's going to happen. On the lighter end of things, I would have said, stop trying to hide your freckles. Oh, freckles have happened to you. (laughs) Okay. Nobody wore sunscreen. Yeah. You're a freaking Scotch Irish girl out here baking in the sun, going to tanning beds. Yes, you have freckles. And oil. We put (laughs) oil on. Not only did we not put on sunscreen, we brought baby oil to the beach. Yes. Yes. So stop going to the Clinique makeup counter with your mother and asking for like the heaviest coverage possible (laughs) to cover your freckles. They're a part of you. Just embrace them because they're never going to (laughs) go away. Like make peace with this. It's okay. I think that, yes, we're trying to hide things that we feel like make us unique. Yes. And so we're saying, hey, this is a unique thing. It's okay. Embrace it. Embrace it. Along those lines, I wish I would have started beating this drum for myself when I was 16. We didn't have the words, I don't think, when we were teenagers, Kelly. But I would have told 16-year-old Meg, all bodies are good bodies. Mm, I have tried to drill that into all of my children. All bodies are good bodies. I remember it was when I was 16 also, overhearing for the first time Another girl saying something about a body that was my size that was bad. I can remember it vividly. I was in drama class because I was a theater kid. (laughs) But we were like, our theater teacher was flighty AF. And so we had a lot of free time in that class. 
so there was four of us who kind of sat in a corner of the room. There was me who was a junior, two senior boys and a freshman cheerleader. And the freshman cheerleader was teeny tiny, so petite by nature. She still is to this day. I just saw her recently because Oklahoma is the smallest world that there is. But I remember she was talking to those two senior boys and I was like reading a book, but I was listening to what they were saying. They were talking about how girls size clothes are so different from boys clothes. And she was saying like a size 10 is like huge. And I, of course, wore a size 10. And it was the first time it occurred to me, like, I'm big. Okay. And it really, it was just like a passing thing that she was 14. She was just saying what she was saying. There's nothing about that. It was just, it was like the moment I can trace back to not feeling good about my body. Yeah. And that's something I've, a message thing that I've been grappling with for years. And so if I could have in that instant been like, no, 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 no. It's okay. All bodies are good bodies. And just kept reminding myself of that, teaching myself that along the way. Oh gosh, I wish I could have. That's such a good one, Meg. That's such a good one. My children are sick of me saying it. I don't care. I hope that that is the soundtrack that they can never shake themselves (laughs) from. All bodies are good bodies. Your body has done and is going to do so many amazing things. So good. So this is very random, very random. But when I was a junior in high school, a 16-year-old, I thought that I wanted to go to school for hotel and restaurant management. I like had this vision, this dream of opening this cozy restaurant. I mean, I didn't even care about the food. I wasn't even daydreaming about the food. I was thinking of the feeling that it created. The ambiance. The ambiance, the experience of it all. So I would tell 16-year-old self, you know what? Hold on to that dream. It's not going to play out the way that you're envisioning right now. But that idea of hosting people and creating a thing, creating a space. Hang on to that idea. It's going to come back in ways you may not expect. And I would say the very last thing I would tell myself is trust your intuition. I know that you think that that sounds new age. (laughs) Right. So you would have been like, "Um, I was with you up until here, but now we've gone into the like quasi Satan territory because this was still like the satanic panic was like in the late eighties. So that was a big thing. And it, yeah. So not the new age stuff. No, ma'am. Didn't you read Frank Peretti? I was going to say Frank Peretti has entered the chat. (laughs) Exactly. And people outside of our bubble are like, who know? But if you know, you know. That's right. I would say like, if I had to say in a way that my 16 year old self would understand, trust the Holy Spirit, trust that bigger thing that is inside of you. And I would hope that over time, I would come to this conclusion earlier than I have in actual reality that you already have everything that you need inside, within you. You have it all. You can trust that. And that's another thing that I'm constantly drilling into my kids. Trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. I could have saved myself a lot of heartache and from being in bad situations and explored new things. Like that could have been so different if I would have really, really believed that I could trust myself from the time I was 16 onward. Kelly, before we wrap up, I have one last question and you didn't know I was going to ask you, so I'm putting you on the spot. Knowing what you know now, would you have rather been a 16-year-old in 19, was it 88? 88, yeah, that's when I turned 16. Would you have rather been 16 in 1988 or 2023? I mean, knowing what I know now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be 16 now, right? It's not yeah, like 16 me. now. Would you rather yeah. have had your 16-year-old experience now or then? I mean, it's so hard to say because how can you say that? But I've got to say, I would stick with 1988. 
the world seems more complicated today. So even though there are things I look back and I'm like, gosh, I would have loved to have done that differently or have known that or had somebody in my life that would have steered me here. It seems more complex. I feel like we've talked about this before because I'll be interested to hear your answer too. But, you know, we talk about weddings. We both got married before Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So our weddings were like, we just did what people told us to do. What was, you know, we invited the people. My dress was cute, but what I made my prices where I should probably have to go to purgatory for a little while because it was not a good look. Bright, bright blue, you guys, because I was like, I love the Caribbean water. And it was satin. <laughs> of course. Mine were satin too. Oh lavender. Gosh. Yeah, I almost went with like lavender or pink because father of the bride. But at the same time, even though there's so many things I see weddings today and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful and it's so simple and it really reflects who those people are and all of that. But it's also so much pressure. Yes. Pressure and money. And so like we just kind of follow the script. You know, like there was this pre-described, like you get a boyfriend, you turn 16, you date, you know, it was like things were handed more to us and there's a definite downside, but also I can see how when you are building a life, and this is a father Richard Rohr concept where he's like, you do need some stability when you're a kid where things are kind of just handed to you to build your own container. Then it will fall apart. You may tear it apart. Life will tear it apart, but like without some stability. And I feel like kids today because of things that have happened, our political situations, um, the pandemic, it's harder. Like they haven't had as much stability. So even though they do have so much potential and I love Gen Z and their energy and their passion and they're just like refusal to take it. Yes. Like, no, man. Yeah. Like we got hit at the script and we were like, okay, I'll read this part. I don't mm-hmm. exactly understand, but all right. And they're just like, hell no. So mm-hmm. very different. Yeah. But I think I would stick with 1988. What about you? I also feel conflicted because there is so much having two Gen Z teenagers. I love this generation. I am jealous of them in a lot of yes. ways. Like you said, there's a refusal to just accept things as they are that I am envious of in a sense, and also an acceptance of other perspectives. And an awareness of other perspectives. Oh, awareness, exactly. You know, an awareness first and then just an yes. okayness with it, not a fear. Yeah, I think the big thing, though, that makes me say I will take my 1993 16-year-old experience is the social media of it all. I have one child for whom social media does not have that big of an impact on her life. She's not that active on it. And then I have one child who, like, filters everything through what people might say or think or analyze or blah, 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 because of social media. And so I've seen both ends of the spectrum, but man, just how like how simple and naive we were in a lot of ways yeah. in 93 as opposed to 2023. I think I would choose that, even though that's not to say there aren't some really wonderful things about being a teenager right now. But I think that because of the social media aspect, I might say I'll take 93. Okay. This has been so good. I love yeah, the nostalgia fun. conversation. Awesome. First of all, we would love to hear from you. So come and tell us. We'll have some questions out there on social media, that big, bad, evil social media that I was just talking about. We'll have questions for you guys. So you can tell us about yourselves as 16-year-olds and what you might like to tell yourself. But Kelly, in the meantime, if people want to find you to talk about this or anything, where can we find you all around the web? On social media. You can find me for sure in the sort of awesome hangout because that's where I am on Facebook, but also on Instagram and on threads. 
I'm at Kelly Gordon MN. Also on Twitter, still some, but my kids have even noticed they're like, if they come up in the morning and they're like, so you're scrolling threads now instead of Twitter. <laughs> and I'm Good. like, yes, I am. I guess it's kind of replacing my social media, but you can find me at that handle almost anywhere. I haven't opened threads in a while. I loved it so much at the beginning, but have they made any changes to where you can only see people that you're following in your main feed? No, you do see more than just the people you're following. Okay. But you know, they're, they're, so they're working on the algorithm. Yeah. And the big thing for me, and this just happened the last week, is it's now on desktop. It took them forever. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's a good development. In fact, I used a GIF because you'll pry my gifts out of my cold, dead fingers. Like my kids are like, mom, they're not cool. And I'm like, I don't care. This is where I die. It was like the, how you doing? It was like threads on desktop. <laughs> yes. I was like, this is a game changer because now I can read it. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And post easier if I'm just like, you know, posting an article or whatever. So I feel like threads, if you guys are not on threads yet, you're on Instagram, you already have a threads account then because yep. that's how it works. It's like the beginning days of Twitter. It really is. It's a fun place. It feels more encouraging. It's not as news centric. It doesn't feel as complainy. Okay, good. They are actively devaluing news okay, and their algorithms because they don't want it to be that. Okay. So like, like if it. you post a link, they're like, I'm not maybe going to show that to as many people because. Okay. You know. So anyway, it's a fun place. You can come find me there or on Instagram. Or in the hangout. Well, my social media allergy has been acting up real bad this summer. So <laughs> it's hard to find me. But if you want to. You if you try. want to try to find Meg. <laughs> As sort of awesome Meg. But seriously, I loved Thread so much. So I'm going to really make an effort to get back in there and get back into it. I just was getting so annoyed because it felt like my feed were just, it was just all people that I did not know oh. that Meta had decided I might be interested in. And I really genuinely just would like it doesn't have to be exclusively people I know, yeah. but could I see a few people that I know? In here? Okay, so go try it again because I think as more and more people have joined, yeah. you have the option just be like, do you want to follow everybody you follow on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like I see more and more people that I know there every day. And so now okay. I would say my thread is probably 80% people I know. Okay. At least whether in real life or on social media, no. You know what I'm saying? I'm Air fingers, to- no. I will give it another try. So find me. I'm at Sword Awesome Meg there too. You can find Sword Awesome by searching Sword Awesome, whatever social media platform you're on. We would love to have you there. And again, come over and join us in the Hangout. That's where the magic happens. So awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.